what uh what's the time we talked i guess we haven't talked really since we recorded cocktail this cocktail was the night the night before i left for my trip yeah we don't really talk much anymore yeah and i went on my trip and i do i I do want to say like um so i flew to california into san francisco and i oh yeah 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 my mom and i rented a porsche 911 convertible and i gotta say there really is no substitute tom was right and were you guys traveling during 9-11? Well, yeah, we didn't fly 9-11. We were, we were there 9-11. Um, but you were driving on a Porsche 911 is what I'm saying, on 9-11. Pretty, pretty cool, pretty cool. Kind of interesting. Uh, but like, okay, so, you know, we're flying, uh, there's so much money in San Francisco. It's like impressive and kind of daunting how much the sheer wealth, because, you know, normally if I travel somewhere, I'm usually going to like Kentucky or somewhere that's like not super affluent. There's a lot of wealth in Kentucky. There's not. It's like the, one of the poorest states in the world. Parts of Kentucky, extreme wealth, dude. The moonshiner parts, all the mining towns have a ton of money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think... Okay. Anyway, um, <laughs> I had this this dinner with my mom. It was in Big Sur at this restaurant called The Pente, which is on top of a cliff. And the cliff is like, you know, I don't know, like 800 feet high, overlooking the ocean, the Pacific uh-huh. Ocean. And you're above that and you're above the clouds and there's a valley next to you of redwoods and you're above the redwoods. You're like overlooking everything. You're on top, like literally it feels like you're on top of the world and it's like fine dining. And they sat us at this corner table. It had to be the best table in the restaurant. And this restaurant has the best view I've ever seen of anywhere. So I think like, like, like this table that we were at is like probably the two best seats of any restaurant in the entire world. Like I would bet a thousand dollars. That's That's true. And it was like a really like, the entire world? I would, dude, I'm not kidding. Like, I've been to some cool places, some beautiful, I've seen some beautiful shit. This is the Lake nice- Lake Cuomo or something like that, you know, Perhaps or that's a little whatever. Bit better. Maybe that's better, but like I- Some place, some restaurant. I'm not kidding. Like, I, I was, I was all moved. Right, right. I was moved well, like, almost to tears. It was like, it felt like, experience, like it was so beautiful. I couldn't believe it. I'd love it. to see a photograph. Did you take, I'm sure you that's, took some dude, pictures, I was like, I, was thinking, I, I thought this is so beautiful that it is an insult to try and photograph it. I was really like having a moment. It was nuts. Wow. And, and then the restaurant was like full of rich people. Like there, you could, I, I was walking past people that were saying like, yeah, like last time I came here, they, they didn't have this sauce on this meal. And like, I was like, wow, this is like, I'm surrounded by rich people. And it's got me thinking about wealth. And, you know, Tom made $3 million on Rain Man. And I just want to say like, Tom has a lot of accomplishments, a lot of skills he's learned, a lot of great performances, a lot of great movies he's made. But really one of his great accomplishments is how much money he has made. And I want to say congratulations to Tom Cruise. He is so rich and it is just like such a feat. And... Um, <laughs> Like I'm being this like half joking, but like I'm still like you know you and I are not rich so people. This is so stupid, and like this is true, but like we're, so. Recently, I have a question: Did you how how much did you think about this pre? I've been thinking about this for fucking a, a week straight. Like I just this bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we made it for you, a podcast about Tom Cruise. We made it for you. A podcast about Tom Cruise We made it for you A podcast about Tom Cruise We made it for you A podcast about Tom Cruise 
Well, I don't know, man. I thought I mean, it was funny, so, like, so it did work. The story of Tom me. Cruise crashing a Ferrari on Larry Ellison's island. Like, rich guy shit, you know? He's got P-52 Mustangs, 911s. He has 911, dude. He did 911. He has all the money in the world. No, okay. Good Lord. And it's just like, it, it, you know, you and I don't have much money. You I know, have more money than you. And just, recently we've been paying Trevor Doughty to edit. Trevor's now editing the episodes, which is a great relief on the pod. It makes it a lot easier to do this. Thank you, Trevor. He's doing a great job editing this podcast. Tom, if you're listening, you should hire Trevor Doughty to do your own podcast editing and to make your own podcast music. This is more or less a way of saying that we're going to start trying to squeeze some fucking money out of this podcast. Oh, okay. There you we're go. We're going to start doing merchandise. We're wow, going to start really soliciting donations. Okay. We're yeah. going to start, um, you know, maybe Stephen's, but on OnlyFans. Stephen one time had a bit. He was doing a shower show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah. one of the funniest, like, oh, about well, my proudest moments of you well, was like, I did that one time I did that bit. one time you were on Instagram live and you were in the shower behind a curtain and uh, you're just showering yeah, and, yeah. and then you pop your head out and you go like you would say like what would you say like I don't know it was a combination of like there's an old SNL sketch with Mike Myers that I don't remember what the sketch is Simon. called so is it just a, called Simon? Yeah, is it just called yeah. Simon? Yeah. And you know my, yeah, my name, name is Simon. And, and I, I like, like to do, do drawings. You're fucking up the music, dude. It's And you know my name is Simon. And I like to do drawings. And I you know. know. I, was, we were, I was doing the same thing as you, but we were just not We in were rhythm. off sync and then it got yeah. me off rhythm <laughs> yeah. and it fucked, it fucked it up. <laughs> Yeah, but cheeky uh, monkey think, bum looker. Yeah, yeah it's great. Yes, I love yes. that shit. Great, that one was a really good one, and I, I think he did it, uh, you know, a handful of times back oh, in the I remember day. When, you remember when Danny DeVito was in the tub with him, and he's like, "Yes, you looking at my ass, ass yes, looker." Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. I used to watch that uh, Mike Myers. I used to have or like go to Blockbuster or something and like straight yeah, up. Yeah, I rent, like second and third grade. Like that was rent all the- best of Mike Myers. Yeah, you know SNL DVDs. Anyway, uh, that was the idea for that, I think. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a good. Uh, so you're saying I'm going to do that again? You're saying I'm going to do that again? I don't know. I was just money. like, you know, I was just I've been thinking a lot about wealth a lot lately because it was just like never more apparent. That, like I felt like. I am on Cameo. I am on Cameo if any of the people... Tom, if you want a normal guy Cameo, you've sold one or two Cameos so far? Like, probably two. How do you not know the exact number? I can't remember because I did it so long ago, and uh, I sort of thought it would really pop off. Really, dude? You thought it would pop? Yeah, it's just normal guy. The Cameo is just called normal guy. At normal guy. I think so. At normal guy, yeah. At normal yeah. guy. But you're not even that normal. I'm pretty normal. What do you mean? I don't think you are. In what sense? Well, like a normal guy is like, you know. Doesn't have a cameo? I don't know. Like a, sort of, I guess, more dad core is like the normal guy. Like I'm kind of dad core. Yeah, but just extravagant wealth uh, really made me self-conscious about. Uh, I felt like, because in the restaurant, they have the balcony where you sit and there's a lower section where you can also have the same view. And so basically, you're in between their rich people and their view. And I felt like I was disrupting their like experience by being poor in front of them it was fucked up i was really a head oh, trip interesting. okay so okay well because i was just gonna say it sounds like you didn't really have like an experience where you were like extravagant wealth bad you took away the you went oh my god wow this is amazing and tom should be commended on his extravagant well, it was wealth. interesting because like it, this wasn't like a national park where it's for everybody and it's reserved this is a restaurant this is like literally a paradise it felt like honestly dude it felt like i was sitting in like Valhalla or heaven because they brought me a delicious huge steak and I, I have a view of like uh, for a god like on top of like you know what's what, what was the view again 
Nependa is Big Sur in California. Oh, so Pacific it, Ocean, it. Redwoods, yeah. Mountains. Yeah. And they brought me this enormous ribeye with a big bunch of potatoes. I was fucking stuffing my face. Well, you know, the ocean, dude. The ocean is like, you know, like I think I've told you at Point Doom in Malibu that I've that I've gone to a couple times. You're just looking off these cliffs at the fucking vast expanse of the ocean. And it is truly like, wow, the ocean will do something to you. The ocean will really do the something. The next day to you. I was on the ocean on a boat doing a whale tour. And it's like down here when you're at the ocean, you know, at the surface level, it's like wavy as fuck and it's terrifying, but like- I think that's beautiful too. But like, but like just being above it, being above this monstrous, it's the harsh Pacific Ocean and it looks calm and flat from where you are because you're so right. high up. Right, right, right. It was incredible. And it was just like- there's some, there's some kind of metaphor there. There's gotta be some kind of metaphor there. For a there. price, you can have Talking a Talking about the rich people looking down at the calm, calm, yeah. serene ocean. Yeah. But when you get closer down there, low, low, low up against the ocean, it's rocky and chaotic and wavy. Yeah, exactly. hundred percent. There's a metaphor there, brother. And I wish there was a kind of a really simple segue into Rain Man here with that. And and maybe, maybe so we could weave something in with money and Tom Cruise trying to make money in the movie. What's the very first movie. shot in Rain Man? The car, the, the Lamborghini the get... Is, oh. it is it Lamborghini Countach? Yeah, Lamborghini, yeah it's right. Lamborghinis. Yeah. Um, car guy over here. Can't even notice what a Lamborghini is. Can't <laughs> notice what a Lamborghini is? <laughs> Podcaster can't put together five fucking words. Um, okay, I did that on purpose because it sounded funny. Sometimes you throw, you, you've done, you, you know this. You and I do this sometimes. We do different words that kind of ma- don't mash up super well and they sound funny. Sometimes you do like spoken word humor, you know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, So the first image of the movie is that Lamborghini being craned off the ship. I I asked my dad about Rain Man. I'm like, what is Tom's job? Do you understand what he's doing for a living in this film? You're asking me? Yeah. Um, Yeah, I guess I figured we were talking about this. I mean, not really, but I guess, I mean, I actually think the movie is to a fault, maybe slightly vague about it in a way that does, cause it's like, what does he do otherwise? Because, cause it seems like this is like one business venture that he's on where he's like essentially getting these Lamborghinis from overseas that aren't meeting the EPA regulations. Yes. And all these guys have already put down payments on the, all these right. rich people have already put down payments on them. And so he's over here like, I mean, prop, doing something, I guess, slightly illegal or I may, it may not be uh, illegal, uh, but the EPA thing makes it make, would make the cars illegal. But so the whole thing, it was, a, it was a cottage industry in the eighties. Uh, the exchange rate was such like, you know, you could take American money and you could get a much better buy on a European car. Oftentimes they were, they were called gray cars and they were like, sometimes used. You would buy them in Europe, ship them over here, and then uh, basically bring them up to EPA standards, which, which involve like emissions and also like changing the bumpers and headlights. Right, right. right. And then you could resell them and make a profit. And so it was all, right. you know, in the 80s, it was like a big time thing. But actually, when the exchange rates kind of leveled out, like that industry like stopped completely. Died. Yeah. So Tom, you know, five, six years after this movie, like has no job. <laughs> like Obviously, that they wouldn't know that when they made the movie, but it, that adds a fascinating layer to it considering the financial woes yeah. of, like, of the movie. The first time I watched the movie, I had no idea what the fuck he was doing. But like knowing that and watching it the second time, it made a lot more sense. It also doesn't matter. I mean, on some level, it's no. like he's a business guy. He's making deals and cutting checks, yeah. yada, yada, yada. And it's and, sort of nice because like it's in the realm of what his dad does. Like his dad was a car guy. Rain right, kind of right. a car guy in a way. They're car guys, you know, it's car guys. They're all, all car guys. Cars. Yeah, yeah of car guys. Yeah, that's so true. Um, um, 
we're both like early morning burping. Well, I'm having a, a wine spritzer. You're having a coffee. Are you serious? It's I guess it's later it's, there. It's one thirty. Yeah, but one thirty is still kind of wild. On I a mean, Sunday, yeah. it's my birthday tomorrow. That's true. No, that's true. Wine, wine spritzer day before your birthday on a Sunday, one thirty. And no only because I'm doing deal. the podcast, <laughs> I wouldn't have been having one otherwise. Yes, I. I wait until two. But yeah, I mean, I I basically got the gist of what he was doing. I think I think where I got confused is I was like, is this just his full thing? Like they're in the warehouse and he just like landed upon an uh, like like a short term business idea, started to make it happen, oh, yeah. but then doesn't necessarily have a a broader business outside of this like it one little that, that, this that's one his, that's his whole thing. He like imports yeah, yeah. these cars and like it is like you're you are leveraging yourself when you're buying four or five Lamborghinis at a time. I don't know. I think it's just one of those things where like you like you need a guy to have a cool job. What's a cool job? Fucking importing cars. You know. You know. What's funny is those early that second scene basically when they're in the warehouse like making phone calls the three you know the three of them him him and larry and then valerie golino valerie golino and honestly i don't know if i could tell you what her name is susanna is her name couldn't tell you i will say she she's a kind of a a poorly conceived character i was reading that like they basically made her a foreigner to allow tom more exposition like he had he was able to explain things more i went to vidiots the uh video store here in in los angeles they reopened in the summer they used to be in santa monica and now they're in eagle rock Uh, have you heard of them have you like yeah yeah i feel like they've become kind of a a big deal since they since they reopened but so i I went there and i rented the blu-ray i wanted to watch the the two little special feature making of things and yeah barry levinson the director for listeners, Tom, I know, you know, Barry Levinson was talking about how he, uh, he got hung up on the kidnapping kind of aspect of it. Like, I guess he thought on some level having that character and having her be foreign, her saying the lines of dialogue in like a different dialect would sort of soften the blow of the kidnapping thing or something like that, I guess a little bit. I don't know if I agree with that really. It doesn't like, I don't, I mean, the kidnapping thing, obviously it's part of the movie, but like, I'm glad that it's not like about this sort of like kidnapping. No, it doesn't. And they talked about that a little bit. Barry Levinson talked about there were maybe other drafts of the script. He just really wanted to simplify it and take away any little like plotty stuff. Like I think maybe the movie had more like wackier like plot mechanics that had to weave in and out. And he just just like, no, we'll keep it simple. All we care about is these two guys being together. And I think the beginning of the movie, you're a little like, okay, okay, okay. Like let's get this throat clearing out of the way a bit. And then frankly, when she leaves, when Valerie Galino leaves and it's just the two of them together, that's when the movie really kind of takes off, yeah. in, in my opinion. Well, that's yeah. the start of the road trip, too. Like, right, right. The road movie thing, you know, I've always loved a road movie. Just, mm-hmm. they're just perfect, because, like, the plot is just literally getting from A to B. And well, yeah. that's all you need. Like, you just... It's a literal vehicle to, you know... Yeah. To tell your... Move your narrative. So, they're starting in Cincinnati, Ohio. And I was watching the movie, and I saw there was a bridge... They go to the Cincinnati Trust and Bank. There's a bridge in the window. I was like, yeah. okay. So, either they're looking at Kentucky, or they're in Kentucky. And that building actually is in Kentucky. Should we explain? You're also in Kentucky right now. But, like, I you've am, said yes. that... You said that you're, like, from Kentucky and everything, yeah. right? In, in previous episodes? Okay. Yeah. Because well, I feel well, like you're bringing What is the up. group home called? That, uh... Oh... Well, you were texting about this yesterday. Isn't it called like Wood Wood Woodlark or something? Or I always write notes when I'm watching these movies, and I can't read them the next day. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, because they're just not good? Well, because like I'm like in the dark, and I can't even see what I'm doing. It like, and oh. they're just like, uh... yeah. So 
They're in the Cincinnati Bank and Trust, and they're looking at Walbrook. the window. Walbrook. Walbrook. I know. I had it. I was going to oh, just okay. start Sorry. over. Oh, okay. Um, they're looking at the window of the Cincinnati Banking Trust, and you can see a bridge. So they're either in Cincinnati looking at Kentucky, or they're in Kentucky looking at Cincinnati. I believe it is that they are in Kentucky. But Walbrook is in Northern Kentucky. Because uh, people don't realize half of Cincinnati is basically in Kentucky. The Cincinnati no, Airport is in Kentucky. Uh, Walbrook is actually, it's, in real life, it's a nunnery in Kentucky. The restaurant where he did it. Toothpick scene is also in Kentucky. Still open. Uh, I'm going to try and go. But yeah. I was thinking that this is actually probably, possibly, the first time a Tom went back to Kentucky since leaving to go to Hollywood. I guess he probably went back when his dad died. I guess I don't remember. I don't think that was in the research or, you know, in that interview or whatever that we talked about long ago during Legend, I guess. Um, I didn't say, like, whether his dad was still in Kentucky or not. I kind of have a feeling well, he, the, he, I kind of have a feeling he wasn't. A lot of the family is still here. Like, they have a law firm that's still operating in Louisville. Oh, his sisters? The map, the Maypothers, his dad's side. Oh, got it, got They're it. Like yeah, kind of the... like a weird, shitty, like evil law firm. Oh, fascinating. I mean, I think a lot, a lot like most law firms are probably weird, shitty, and evil. But yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You know, they're like they have a bad reputation. Actually, so Tom, so the character Tom's dad in the movie dies, and you know, go figure. Tom and his dad had a falling out because Tom's dad had this really old Buick. And Tom really wanted to take it out. He got almost straight A's, he says, when he was 16. And he thought he should be allowed to take it out on the town. And his dad said no. So Tom stole the car. And I'm like, okay, buddy, you're like, you in the wrong here. He's in the wrong a lot of the movie, but like, you're in the wrong here. Tom, they got pulled over. All of his friends, they all went to jail. They got his friends were bailed out. Tom spent two days in jail before his dad his, bailed him out. The other parents bailed out their, you know, their respective children. And then, yeah, yeah his dad, like, let him let him sit in the jail for two days or whatever. And that made me two days is a bit much. But, like, uh, for the most part of that story, I'm like, Tom, yeah, you're in the wrong here, buddy. And he is in the wrong for, you know, like I said, for most of the movie, he has well, yeah, the wrong yeah. ideas. Yes. And it's, it's nice because, like, this is a movie where Tom isn't learning a new skill. He doesn't have, like, some kind of ridiculous shtick he does. He just kind of is a prick and he's really good at it oh he's so good at being a prick yeah his the backstory of like they're falling out i think is a bit goofy it's an odd thing because i feel like that backstory should should be like one of the things that gives you sympathy for him but it it doesn't really like it's not that sympathetic of a story the jail thing is obviously super sympathetic but like I guess I'm like, oh, you just really wanted to drive a car and you were 16 and your dad wouldn't let you like it sounds very like like a spoiled kid kind of thing like it's very yeah right but which yeah i guess maybe that's part of it maybe it's like there's a realism there of like but it it just seems like a weird you know inciting incident for them to not see each other anymore and like like, just the end of their relationship and it's like okay i mean buddy you stole his car there wasn't anything else right like there wasn't another moment where he said i'm I'm out and didn't get along anyway and then that happened but then and then when he like was able to get out of the house he just left and he basically never looked back and that's sort of what happened behold when the dad dies he gets like he gets the house and he gets the prize rose bushes but nothing else in the will which which is three million dollars he does get the house though i couldn't remember if that if he got the house well maybe he doesn't get the house he gets the car and the rose bushes but i didn't even get the house honestly i don't yeah 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 but it gets but i don't even get how do you get the rose bushes how do you just like get the rose bushes i don't know i guess the part i was a little like i was a little like okay i don't really know i I know that he's not getting the three million dollars and that's all i need to take away yeah the three million dollars is what irks him because like there's going to a secret trust and basically in his investigating of this trust he goes to walbrook right and you know is comes across this center a center for developmentally disabled people yeah. Like a, adults, kind of a, I guess. A group home. Adults. adults. Yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah. 
and that's sort of a I like that introduction to the world because it's like it is sort of tender and like it doesn't it handles it handles it pretty well. Like this movie could be fucking awful. It could really tip the scales on like going into you know shithead right, territory. Right. And it's but not. I, but also to the same to the kind of opposite of your point, I think it also in the same way it brings you into that world and it does feel kind of weird and alien and and like and because to him because he's coming in he's going what the fuck is this place and he's like a little like you're going now the the camera isn't like leering at these people like oh they're freaks or something like the it's very it's very just like objective but i think you're coming from the world of like importing ferraris and going to palm pinks the weekend you're going to this world like cincinnati group home for development disabled like you you really tom is like He's on a strange, he's on a foreign planet, essentially. Yes, yes, yes. Exactly. And in Lobo, in the foreign planet, he discovers he has a brother. And the reveal of that, I really love how they how they handle, like, introducing Rain Man. You reveal, like, basically, Rain Man's in the car with the girlfriend, because it is his car. Like, he, you know, the dad would come over the weekends, and they drive the car together. Like, this is his car. And the way that Tom's able to talk about the car, the, the stats he knows, Rain Man has the exact same stats. Which I, I like that. It's like, car guys are, uh... Yeah, that's a nice moment. And then they're, and then, you know, he's like... What do you say? Like, like this is your dad's car? Like, who's your dad? Goes, yeah, who's you your know? dad? Yeah, and, he's, and he says, and he gives, like, the address, and he goes, wait, that's my house, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, he, and so there's all these little tidbits there. But, um... And then the head of the, Wal- Walbrook is like, this is your brother and tom's like which which (laughs) which which is funny though because he wasn't going to tell him that i think he was going to let them leave because he was Tom's like give me my three million dollars bitch yeah he's sitting there talking to the guy wanting his three million dollars back and like what the fuck dude and then the guy was going to let them just walk out of there and leave and there be be none the wiser to the situation but then rain man raymond intervenes Basically, all this just—this is all just basically a way to get these two in a car together. Because Tom had like Tom, and the movie doesn't really go too hard into it. It doesn't become a legal battle over like custody or conservatorship, which I appreciate. It's no, just like yeah. Tom's like, I'll figure this shit out later on. I get in the fucking car. We're going to Los Angeles. I'm gonna figure this out on the road. Like, right? And right. he kind of like it's in the background, and it kind of comes ahead at the end. But like, it's not really about that. It's just like Tom. It's just I, them I, I hanging prick, out. Prick Tom. Tom navigating this new brother and like you know discovering and like learning about himself it's just it's beautiful like the plot it's a road movie the plot doesn't matter that much i do love that you can't have raymond have an arc there's no arc for raymond they said that they talked to people in the field and you know doctors and stuff and they were like you know basically he's got to be the same person when you first meet him and the same person when you end with him right and then tom's like trying to get him to quote unquote snap out of it but like right right not gonna happen although however and this might be a little bit untrue to reality. They have the touch on the head. The is touch that what you're going to talk about? Then, yeah, 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 like he, the two heads. Raymond yeah. calls him his main man. And I was like, that's very sweet. Yes. But he's still he's still the same. I mean, he's not he's not like, yeah. you know, when they're leaving, on when he's leaving on the train, it's not like a big heartfelt goodbye. He's just like, okay, bye. And he goes, sits down and he like watches his little portable TV and is like not looking at Tom as yeah. he's driving away and you know tom's having this like moment but so i was also just gonna say i'll just get it right out of the, right out of the gate because you know i hadn't watched this in a while and i've always liked the movie i liked it this time i still think you know it's like kind of ridiculous maybe that it won best picture i think it's not a also whatever the oscars who cares but i mean i love the oscars but i hate the oscars at the same time but uh yeah it's not a best picture winner but I think this be. is I mean, like it's like a terrible win. It's the best picture. The other nominees were the accidental tourist, dangerous liaisons, Mississippi Burning, and Working Girl. So like, yeah, it wins. Although best director, yeah, Levinson beats Marty for Last Temptation of Christ, 
Any oh, beat. Yeah. Okay, also, A Fish Called Wanda came out in this year. Okay, see, that's the thing. See, there's big, all these other movies. should have been a fucking nominee, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, Stand yeah. and Deliver was a great movie. Girls in the Mist. That's the thing, is there's these other movies that probably weren't even nominated Boy, at all that are probably Tucker, better. Man in the Stream came out oh, this year. fuck. That movie is so good, dude. Crazy. Um, Bull Durham. Was that nominated for Best Screenplay? Because that should have been Best it Screenplay was. of the year. Yeah, over this. But, I mean, obviously, I like the screenplay, too. I mean, I like the movie a lot, but I was just going to say, I think this is one of Tom's best performances. Like, it's up there killer. In, he's killer. in the top. He's fucking unbelievable. He's frustrated, and, I would, and he's angry, and he's... He's funny, and he's cool, and he's kind of... But also, sometimes that coolness, he's can, he can be like... He's not coming off cool to us, sort of. Like, even, you know, even though he's... Right. You know what I mean? Like, there's that... In his and world, he, he is cool. But, I mean, and sometimes he is cool in his world, well, from, from our point of view. But then other times, we see it differently than, you know... But I'm just saying, it's one of the things that he does really well, where it's like, this is cool Tom Cruise, but he's he can make himself be a total doofus. In a, in a way that's beautiful and he does that in in this movie in a in a in a great way i mean like which you know not a lot of movie stars do this very well like he's not afraid to embarrass himself embarrass himself yeah i guess embarrass himself is the is the better word i don't know it's just uh just a pleasure pleasure to watch pleasure to watch i fucking was like really stunned kind of by the performance having just not watched it in a long time and i was like man he is doing because it's all on him and not on the goofy shtick but he's not tossing bottles. He's not flying a jet. It's just fucking acting. He's just in there acting, which obviously he does a lot of acting in his, his careers. But like, yes, you know, but also I, I, I think I think it gets overshadowed by the Dustin Hoffman thing. And I think it's a kind of a shame that he Dustin Hoffman is wins best actor when he's clearly supporting. He's clearly movie. supporting. It's kind of it's definitely like category fraud, I think, in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, again, I don't want to put too much emphasis on the Oscars cuz I don't really in in my life, but I think just cuz this is a Oscar movie, we can talk about them a, a little bit. But uh yeah, it's crazy to me cuz it's I think that Tom is is the anchor, you know, and I guess this happens a lot. There's always like the showier performance sort of and there's like the anchor person. But the thing is is like I think Tom Cruise is quite showy in this. I mean, in, in a lot of ways and actually the Hoffman performance, despite being showy in the sense that it's such a performance, right? It's yeah. not like the acting it's is not, obvious. It's it, the acting's obvious, and it's actually quite small technically in a lot of ways, like compared to Tom, who has to do a lot more stuff. Right. I mean, you, I mean you know what I mean. Dustin Hoffman, you could do that, and you could be terrible. Like that could have really oh, I agree. gone awry. It's, it is to completely still a feat. And I will say, I was watching those behind the scenes things, and they have the one that's called um, on the Blu-ray called uh, "Lifting the Fog." Like it's you know, it's all about the the autism aspect of the movie and like they're interviewing the real people that that Dustin Hoffman kind of met and based based the character on which we and have their names um, oh yeah I, I almost want to say it's Peter Griffin but it's not it's some, <laughs> but it's some but it's something oh boy, Griffin. Kim yeah, Kim Peek and okay, Bill Sactor are two autistic savants that the movie's based on okay Peter but that's Griffin. not who's in the interview there's a guy fucking moron no, it's literally like that, dude. Here, I'm going to fucking find this. While you're doing that, Hoffman beat out some big fucking actors for best actor. Gene Hackman, Mississippi Burning, Tom Hanks in Big, Max von Sydow in Pelly the Conqueror, Edward James Almost in Stand and Deliver. And I always have loved Tom Hanks in Big. I think that's like quietly like one of the best Tom Hanks performances. Oh, absolutely. Great, great one. But, you know, I don't know if I would take Tom as best actor over some of those other performances, but like imagine that Hoffman was in supporting, which he probably should have been. 
Uh, yeah. I mean, that is, Kevin Klein does win this year for Fish Called Wanda, and I love that. Like, that's one of my favorites. You don't think like, you would take Tom over, I mean, over Mississippi Burning or Big or, I mean, obviously Big is major. Big is like, incredible. I, like, I agree. I mean, I don't know. I love, I love obviously, Gene Hackman. That is exactly but. how a young boy in a man's body would act when he had sex with a grown woman. <laughs> I know this, dude. River Phoenix, uh, supporting actor Kevin Klein, Fishko Wanda, he wins, and I love that. Like, uh, for a comedic performance to win, and Kevin Klein is so fucking good in that movie. Al Guinness and Little Dorrit, Martin Landau and Tucker, River Phoenix is running on empty, and Dean Stockwell and Married to the Mob. Oh, fascinating. Okay, interesting. It's funny, though, because the, both these actors, Dustin Hoffman said, like, he was, he wanted to be replaced by um, Richard Dreyfus. He's like, fucking get, like, I, I can't be in this movie. Like, I'm terrible. Like, I'm killing this. And it's Similarly, Kevin Klein, Fish Called Wanda, he also said the same thing. He's like, I'm, this is the worst thing I've ever done. I will never work again. And they both won Oscars. Oh, funny, funny, funny. So one thing is that they wanted to originally, um, there was a lot of, it's not how it was originally in the script. Originally, Rayman was the, the younger brother and Charlie was older. And they were both going to be kind of like in their 50s and up. They, they One of the original intentions was to have it be Randy and Dennis Quaid as the brothers. So originally, they wanted Rayman to be like kind of vaguely developmentally disabled. And I think it was Dustin Hoffman was one of the ones to like push for him to be an autistic savant. It's interesting because I think you were reading, well, this is also in the um, in the special feature things when they were talking about this. You know, a couple of the people, even in the special feature, which was a few years later, like are referring to them and saying like mentally, like the, the guy, the writer, Bill Morrow, who initially wrote like the first draft of the screenplay and I guess made a movie before that was about an intellectually disabled person before that he had met and, and it was called Bill. Anyway, and then he kind of did this whole story. Then they brought somebody else on, you know, changed the script up. But anyway, even him talking about it still referred to like the, the person that they were initially going to have the character be having not be an autistic savant and be, and he says, mentally retarded. And it's just, it's interesting just in how much things have changed over the years. And like, obviously I think the movie weirdly gets it right in a way with having Tom be ignorant and recalling Dustin Hoffman retarded like a few times throughout the movie, which I hope- Oh, it really intense in the cafe. It's very intense. It's very fucking retard. I know it's very yeah. very intense. I think we're okay saying it with just like quoting the lines of the movie and speaking about it. Within, it's interesting with, because with context, you can't I hope, say it I in hope, a medical yeah. sense. You can't say it in a derogatory sense. That word just never gets said ever again. I suppose unless you're quoting Rain Man. Oh, you're quoting something. I mean, I think if you, I think you know, whatever. It's like anything. If even if it's bad to say, I think if you're quoting something and like like saying, oh, this person called this someone that and that was right. no good. I you know, I think whatever. I'm not gonna sit here and say the R word. I think that's kind of ridiculous. But um, ridiculous. Yeah, that's. Uh, but uh, I don't know where I was going with that. But it's fascinating how, how far it's come. Even these people talking about it well, uh, with, with, uh, the, with the best of intentions and like being on the yeah. right side are still using, you know, still well, using because, like mentally like, retarded as a phrase. What it, is you know, this I movie guess. without the autism savant character? Because like so much of it is about that. Like the, the second half of it is like Tom sort of using that to his own advantage. And I'm like, I don't really, I can't imagine what the movie would have been if it was more vaguely mentally challenged than like something that Tom could use to his advantage. Because right. the whole, about the whole fucking card counting shit, like that seems like, you know, that's. I didn't look up a lot of like whether there's, has been a lot of 
backlash to this movie. I think just over the years, I think I've seen some people be like, okay, the Dustin Hoffman role is maybe slightly, slightly offensive. But well, I think uh, like, you no, know, the autism savant thing, it might give people the wrong idea that like, you know, that's the normal version of like, like everyone who has autism has like a well, normal quote unquote, quote, unquote. Yeah, 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 big, big, big quote unquote. And I think the funny thing too, is that like the character is a composite of all these different autistic or savant, I think, and in, in the little thing that I, they were calling it savant syndrome, you know, I guess, it, it's, yeah. you know, and even in the little interview, the, the featurette thing, they were talking about how like people used to call it idiot savant. But then that was that also became not politically correct. So then they changed it to just savant. And now sometimes they were in maybe more in the medical field. They refer to it as savant syndrome. Anyway, just interesting, all the changes. But my point, what I was getting to was there's something funny to the fact that he's this composite character and he just has in a in a kind of a stupid way. They just like threw every fucking thing at him. He can do all of it. He can draw really well. Yeah, he has all of it when, when it's like. You know, most most of them have, you know, maybe one of those things or that thing, you know, whatever. And he, and he just he just has he just has every single one. And so the movie, I think, both opened people up in a lot of ways to like this idea and did probably did probably do a lot for the autistic community and, and, and shedding some light on things. But then also for years to come, everyone just thinks autistic means guy who can count, you know, toothpicks really well on the ground and can count cards and can, you know, do all this yeah. kind of stuff. And I think. They don't understand that that's actually more of the savant aspect and not the autism yeah. aspect. We should and know I think, for Tom, yeah. uh, Steve and I are not doctors. We don't. Yeah, but okay. But I, I tried to look a lot of this stuff up. And honestly, they talked about it in that special, that featurette that I watched on the Blu-ray. I, I agree we're not doctors and I don't fully know what I'm talking about. But I was trying to get some of this so that I at least had some fucking frame of reference to be able to discuss it in a like mildly intelligent when way. When I was in middle school, I was uh, in a computer class and like, I guess I was doing pretty well. And so they had myself and a couple other students in the class every like once a week go to the computer lab, the other computer lab and help out a group of like special education students with computers. Oh, okay. And like, I mean, they know as much as I do about computers. And one of the, like, there was uh, one of the kids in the class, he would like run the computer and like hop on and just like start Googling funguses, like foot funguses. He was like just researching funguses the entire nice. time. It was like, nice. it was wild. I was like, damn, yeah. this is this guy is going to cure a foot fungus. And... His name, his name, Dr. Scholes. Oh, funny. That's good. Dr. Yeah. Scholes has been around for a long time, dude. I don't actually know the point of that story, but uh, the point of the story is that one time I yeah, yeah, helped I out. helped developmentally disabled children. Do you hear that, guys? Hmm. I don't know. It's just interesting. It's a little hard to talk about. Um, it, it is hard to talk about, especially because, I mean, as you can tell, we're sort of like fumbling over our words you, i'm sure sure tom can tell we're we're at our we're at our most uh we're at our best when we're just talking about movies and uh <laughs> i don't think That's i'm at my too, best like people you know this movie giving people the wrong idea about autism me personally i don't know anything that i didn't see in a movie you know i'm dumb as hell yeah movies movies teach me everything i don't really i don't gain any knowledge elsewhere pretty yeah. much you know what i mean i mean like we're like we're like half joking but like not really no i'm fully joking dude i'm reading massive texts all the time yeah mind Kampf. no you can't make another mind Kampf joke it was one time we had the one joke it worked perfectly no more Everyone says this is actually one number one rule. Spotify, when I look at Spotify's stuff, they have all the sort of like rule, you know, 101 rules of podcasting. And number 
64 on the list is um, only one mind comp joke per series. podcast okay. series. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, you didn't laugh, so it wasn't a joke. It was actually the truth. Hmm. Okay. Cool. <laughs> I'm kidding. Steven's never read Mind Comp. Although we had time with it, we went to. Uh, let's stop talking about. It. Never mind. About it. <laughs> we went to the, the Vintage Bookstore in Austin, and they had a copy of Mind Comp behind a glass case. And we were like, we had asked them. We were like, what the fuck? And they were like, yeah, we don't really know what to do with that. It was like <laughs> a really old copy, right? Like, wasn't it like yeah. a first edition? <laughs> It was signed. Yeah, um, signed. No. But I think, like, ultimately, I, we were talking to them for a while because we were just like, that's really interesting. And I, they were, like, a cool bookstore. Like, they were not neo-Nazis. I think one of them was even, like, maybe Jewish or something like that. But we were, like, I think we, we just gave them the idea, like, yeah, you should, whoever buys that must also buy, like, a first edition copy of Anne's Frank Diary. Oh, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. So, I actually saved yeah. the day down there. I helped them out tremendously. It wasn't in Austin, dude. It was South Congress. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. Where the fuck else? Oh, yeah, that's right. This was recently. Because yeah. for some reason, I thought it was when we went to... um what's it called to do the we wine did go to a bookstore in brooklyn no no the wine tastings oh we didn't go to bookstores at the wine tastings dude we we're too busy drunk driving in town <laughs> in town at, in um fredericksburg fredericksburg yeah yeah um, no we just got ice cream that's all we did yeah we got- <laughs> that was awesome and the ice cream um, store also had a copy of mind comp which is really big <laughs> <laughs> yeah good 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 we're tiptoeing around talking about people with autism, but like we're like, mind comp this, mind comp that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh God, how do we get ourselves out of this corner? Mind comp, mind comp. Anyway, what I was trying to get the point was, personally, my understanding of the world is mostly through movies. So a lot of people will have the same idea of understanding autism through movies. Right, right. And I, well, yeah. And then I think even from this movie, interestingly enough, I mean, now I think we found out more all about the, like the spectrum and people, uh, you know, Asperger's used to be considered something totally different than autism, but now it's sort of lumped in with the autism spectrum, I guess. You know, things are constantly changing. You know what's kind of funny? I don't know if you've noticed this. I guess you're not you're not as online as me, I think, but I think as of late, because of the proliferation of information on this, and so it's both, you know, good that more people are know, learning things and figuring out about themselves, whatever. It's weirdly become in vogue to be like, I have, I'm on the spectrum. Yes, I'm sure that like understanding of the spectrum and everything has like, maybe the spectrum is everybody. Maybe like it's all one giant well, and everyone's on it. Well, technically I think that's the case. I think that is true. Right. Yeah. yeah. But I do think I've just seen a lot of things that is sort of, that don't sit well with me like. Yeah, it's just uh, trauma and struggle has been turned into like a social Olympics sort of thing. Yeah, like, like, you know the, what I mean? yeah. And there are people out there who are like, people don't believe I'm autistic because I'm, I'm so attractive. But like, I'm, I can be autistic too. Like, you know, even though I'm hot, I saw an article about that. I think there are hot autistic people though. There can be oh, hot autistic people. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I don't know. We gotta- there are, there are. I mean, there for sure are. I knew this was going to happen, actually. I knew that somehow we would get on something awful and not really be able to articulate things very well. Um, anyway, let's talk about the movie. Let's just talk yeah. about this movie, this movie that we both really like and that Tom is fucking phenomenal. It's funny, we started out really strong and now I don't know where we're, now I don't know where the fuck we're going. Well, it's just, I mean, the whole thing is, it's really hard to talk about. Like the movie- to its credit, I think does it like a really good job for 1988 of, yeah. of fucking threading the needle on this topic. And a lot of that has to do with like, I think the relationship at the core. I mean, Tom. Tom's fucking performance. I mean, I, you know, we were saying, I think it is incredible how just 
viciously cruel he is in the beginning. And he plays that so well. I mean, you mentioned earlier when he grabs him on the neck, says, stop being a fucking retard. Like that's a brutal scene. Yeah. And then it, it's made so much more sad, which they never really come back to it, but that he has an entire book that he writes in about when people have hurt him, like physically yeah. harmed him. And honestly, having not seen it since like, you know, high school or middle school or whenever I first watched this movie, I kind of thought there was going to be a point where we'd come back to that book and somehow we'd see something more instances and some in uh, Tom would read it or something and see like an instance with the dad or something like that. And that, I don't know if that, that would play a part, but maybe that'd just be a little too, little too melodramatic or something. But I kind of thought we were going to come back to that when they introduced it. I sort of thought that would play yeah. a part. I mean, I guess the whole, your ability to enjoy the movie kind of rides and dies on Tom. Like 100%. I mean, I enjoy Dustin Hoffman's performances a lot, performance a lot too. And I think he does give a great performance. I think it's very quietly uh, emotional and also pretty funny. I think that's funny thing about, I don't know, you know, I always, I always feel like people maybe get a little, especially more so, more so nowadays can be a little bit like weary or nervous about laughing too much at people with like developmental disabilities and stuff. And I mean, obviously it all depends on like the type of laughing you're doing. But I do think in my experience with people with developmental disabilities, like I remember like in high school, there'd be, we'd have like the few kids there who had developed like either Down syndrome or other, you know, other developmental disabilities. And I feel like everyone who worked with them, it was always very like a funny joyful time like all the all the kids who volunteered and helped them out whatever it was always like there was always a sense of humor about it not in a mean-spirited way but like you know they can Dustin Hoffman's character is funny there's funny I've, things to I've the character this actually for people who work in the special olympics like yeah we have a blast like this shit we we laugh our ass off it's we have a great time like everyone's exactly. laughing exactly you know and so i think that aspect of the movie is not, I mean, I think it, I guess I'm trying to give myself permission to be, say that, that it's, that the character is really funny and there's a lot of funny stuff that comes at the expense. Oh, when he farts? Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh God. Did you, just, did you just fucking fart, Ray? Ray, did you just fucking fart? I love Apparently that. Apparently that was improv and that really was a real fart. That's awesome, dude. That's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, Dustin Hoffman's like one of the classic method guys. I love the idea of Dustin Hoffman totally in that character and being, but 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 somehow he's, you know, he's still in there, right? And he's just going, gotcha, dude, I'm, I'm going to fucking fart, dude. I'm going to fart inside this fucking telephone booth and it's going to kill. It's going to absolutely kill. But I mean, also good on Tom for... Oh, I would have been so pissed. But he plays it so beautifully. He gets it right. Yeah. It's awesome. That's so funny. I didn't realize that it was. I mean, because Dustin Hoppe is like one of the, you know, infamous, like kind of method guys. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, sort of the marathon man, he would like run around the block twice in the, just before it take starts. But I wonder, did you see all your BTS stuff? Was he like, he wasn't staying a character, was he? He wasn't doing a Daniel Day. I didn't see any of that. I, I would imagine, honestly, that he kind of was. That sounds t uh, awful. Like for him personally, like, yeah, dude. Okay. I'm trying to fucking look at this. God damn it. This is pissing me off. There was a guy. Okay. So Kim Peek. Yes. Is the guy that I'm trying to find, there, but there were other people in the fucking behind the scenes thing that now I can't find their names. I swear to God. It's, it's almost like Peter Griffin or something like that. But, uh, but they're really, everything else is focusing on this Kim Peek guy. Um, oh, it's not Griffin. Okay. Fucking a, thank God. It's, uh, it's Peter Guthrie, Peter Guthrie. So Kim Peek oh. is one of them. Peter Guthrie is another guy. But so the reason why I wanted to bring this up was um, you watch the Peter Guthrie guy and he is 
exactly what Dustin Hoffman is doing in the movie. Like he's doing like kind of the side head tilt thing, similar kind of nasally-ish voice or whatever, you know. In the in the behind the scenes feature, you know, they're like, okay, Peter, so what was the um, number one song on January 12th, 1981 or whatever? And he goes, that's, uh, and he does, and he fucking just lists it off. And he knows it. And then he's like, okay, uh, you know, Peter, my birthday is uh, May 6th, 1991. What day of the week was that? And he was like, Wednesday. It was a Wednesday. And and the yeah. number one album on the of that day, you know, whatever. It's like, and it's kind of fascinating. And uh, But it's, it's exactly like what Dustin Hoffman is doing. And it's just really kind of fascinating to watch. And I think when you go, oh, this character could be maybe slightly offensive in its bigness or whatever. You, you watch that and you go, oh, okay, no, may- maybe not. He's like doing it pretty fucking well. That makes me think about some of the other films that are sort of in the same realm of like people faking, not fake, actors portraying people with disabilities. And obviously Forrest Gump, fantastic. I yeah. like Forrest Gump a lot. People talk shit about Forrest Gump and I don't get it. I it love is kind Forrest of like Gump. one long joke, but like the movie is fucking lovely. I think but it's good. I think it's underrated a good movie. movie. I, I love like- Zemeckis. So yeah, you're, you're a Zekhead, Zimzekis. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Ringer. I love The Ringer. And I think the Fairly Brothers are like really unsung, like for their their really like you know proponents of disabled actors. So they're they're fucking they had multiple films. Bobby Farley made that movie just recently, which I don't think I heard was very good with Woody Harrelson just recently. I'm off Woody Harrelson. I'm done with him. Oh, because of Vax stuff and whatever. Uh, because of the Robert F. Kennedy stuff. Oh, is he a Robert F. Kennedy guy? Big time. Oh, yikes. Whatever. I still like him. They have The Ringer. I mean, something about Mary, you know, has that stuff too. One of the. F- well, okay. One of my favorite and that jokes might of be, all time. That might be kind of offensive, but I also think they treat that character with a lot of humanity. And, like, I mean, but Mary's whole thing is like she, you know, works the mentally disabled. Yeah. The developmentally disabled. Just say it. I, I feel like you're going back disabled. and forth. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Well, I, just, but yeah. I, I was thinking about. Uh, you're Matt thinking Dillon. about the. Yeah, the Matt Dillon character, which he. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's one of the great. Bits. I mean, it's incredibly funny. But again, the joke is that he's a fucking idiot. But the ringer in particular has a character who does that kind of thing where like they can like name a date and he's like, you know, that was the piano man. And um, well, you know, it's funny while watching this, I was thinking like if they remade this movie, Johnny Knoxville in the Tom Cruise part. (laughs) You were thinking that? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I just thought, oh man, I'd like to see it. You get hired as an executive, you're fired the next day. You do Greenlit Rayman 2 with Johnny Knoxville. <laughs> but I do think, like, today... I don't know. I think I would like to see that. I would like to see... Oh, I mean, the ring has an interesting mix of, like, you know, what actors... What has been actor... Yes. Yeah. Actors playing developmentally disabled and genuinely developmentally disabled people. Okay, so one of the all-time movies of an actor playing developmentally disabled. Good time. Uh, Benny Safdie the other day just tweeted about how much he loves Tom Cruise and Rain Man and how undersung it is. And Benny Safdie himself played a developmentally disabled person in good time. At the time, I didn't know the fuck Benny Safdie was. So watching it for the first time, I was like, wow, this is incredible. Like, what is this? Well, I think I think they do a good... I mean, in that movie, they really do a good job of making him... I, I mean, you know, it's it, this is true. To, like, he has got like zits and like kind of a... I mean, I, I think that he's there's a level... He's, yeah. he's, you know, he's wearing South Pole. But like, they talk about that a lot. What route do we go with this because a lot of big name actors wanted the part they did yes because an opposite Robert Pattinson and a movie from two dudes on the up and up yeah uh, they're like do we have a higher person with who actually
actually has developmental disabilities. And I think they landed on that, the schedule and the demand being a lot. They're like the way that we're going to be shooting in the... Well, and I think Benny wants to be an actor. I mean, he's, he had that whole thing recently where he says he's not making movies anymore and he's going to focus on being an actor. Did you see that? He's not going to w- direct with his brother. He's focusing on acting. You didn't see he's that, a great you? actor. That's a shame. Yeah. No, I think he is a really good actor, but um, he like posted on Instagram about Tom's performance, which uh, I would have been... Not, I mean, you know, I, I tried to reach out to him. Would have been great to get him on the pod. You know, I don't really understand why Benny Safdie wouldn't want to be on this podcast, but... You and I, some Safdie heads, my knock against Benny Safdie, he's the kind of guy who gets the new iPhone every year. Because every year there is a new iPhone and he posts an update. Look at these new photos of the new iPhone. And just yesterday they announced a new one. And so I'm sure in a couple of weeks, Tom, you're going to see a post from Benny Safdie about the new iPhone. Mark my fucking words. It does it every year. I fucking, I keep track. Part of me has been thinking lately, you know, I was, I was went to Telluride and obviously we talked about that, but my friend, um, Tess, who made the little the hat. bucket bucket hat for me, which maybe we'll have we'll be able to get more bucket hats and make them and sell them for all of our millions of fans. She has like a you know a really new iPhone and like the f- pictures just looked fucking great oh, and and like sure. can do can do all the stuff and I was like damn I fucking hate my phone even though like I don't want a big fucking iPhone I don't want to mess with all the stuff I like I have an old one that has a fucking button like you know an actual button thing on there whatever that's yeah. called I used to be and, like you. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. But but now I'm sitting here going, man, I, sh- I wish I I wish I could take cooler fucking pictures and like better, you know, whatever with my I iPhone. I the same thing. I had the button on my phone. And I kept it for a long time. In the last year, I finally upgraded to the newest and biggest one, like a 14 Pro, whatever. And it has three cameras and they're fucking phenomenal. But you put, that shit, in your, you put that shit in your pocket? Because I carry my Mac. phone in my Max. pocket. It's not the Max. It's just the Pro. So it's big, but it's not like terribly big. I put it in my pocket. Yeah, I do. Okay. My photos are fucking fantastic. I can do some sick ass shit. I figured out how to not use the button. The button's not there anymore. And I figured that one out. Yeah, that's cool. Maybe I'll get a new phone soon. But obviously, you know, Benny coming up from like the, you know, DIY film scene, it makes sense that he would be interested in the camera capabilities of a new iPhone. That makes total sense to me. Absolutely. It's just funny. It's just funny to me. He like, that's like, his, he's always posting about that on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. I like it. Anyway, I know I'm breaking my own rules here. We we started off sort of going through the plot a little bit, and I kind of maybe just for the sake of getting us back on track a little bit, since I feel like we're bouncing all over the place in a not super cohesive or interesting way. Let's just maybe go through the movie a bit, and then it'll, it'll you know get us talking about. Yeah, with well, being a road movie, you know, it's like I guess let's follow the, tr- the let's beats. follow the path. Once they yeah. leave Cincinnati, basically Rain Man doesn't want to. Well, so here's the thing: they want to fly. He doesn't want to fly. Yeah, that's a great scene. That's a great scene. Yes. Yes, I think a great that, Tom part, a great Tom performance. It's funny because like this is like this is this is an airport in the eighties where Tom's like looking at the fucking ticker up top, and he's like, "Yeah, what about this plane? This plane? This plane?" It's like, damn, what like, a time. Yeah, they could just like get it's a bus on, station yeah. or something like that. Like, oh, I think almost, yeah. But Tom's really good. In that Tom, he's getting loose his fucking mind. He's like, "You tire me," and he hits his fucking briefcase, and he's like, "Yeah, Tom, Tom's good. He hits stuff." You know, dude. Well, so okay, dude. Actually, that's funny. That is one of my favorite things that he does. He'll do a like a like like this like terse terse kind of. Um, yeah. Maybe I'm, I shouldn't clap too much, but but uh, I mean, people can't see me, but he does that a lot. He does that in a lot of movies and he does come on and he goes, you know, he does it in War of the Worlds. He's like mad at, at mad at the sun and he goes, Robbie, you know, he goes, Robbie. And he does that kind of thing. And yeah. he does that in this and he does that. I mean, he does that throughout all his movies and it's it's weirdly, it's funny. It's a move of his that I have, uh, you know, seen over all these years that I really, really like. And part of me wants to, when we post a clip, like maybe have that moment and 
us talking about it because I just want pe- the people to see what I'm talking about. Right, but we usually post a clip of us saying a funny thing, and that wasn't really funny. Um, yeah, but yeah, that, that scene, that's a funny scene airport. because like Rayman, Raymond doesn't want to fly the planes that have crashed. It's apparently Qantas in real life. They like they've upgraded. Had no crashes. Well, they their propeller planes crashed. Their jets never crashed. Okay, and funny. so they were like super shocked about the scene. And on their airline versions of Rain Man, that scene is cut out on all their airlines except for Qantas. They have they leave that scene in, and That's they've up in awesome. certain times they've like when the when those screenwriters fly on the plane on Qantas, they upgrade them to the first class for free. Huh? That's awesome. Yeah. Where'd you get this tidbit? Uh, IMDb trivia. <laughs> I was in bed at like nine thirty this morning. And I was just like, I guess I'll read the fucking trivia. Actually, can we talk about a little bit, speaking of just the writers and stuff, um, this movie had a funny, so Steven Spielberg was was supposed to direct the movie, then who who else was it? It was Steven the Spielberg. The, the guy from The Firm, I'm really kind of his name. Oh, Sidney Pollack, you dummy. Yeah. You're really ruining my credibility. Or maybe it's boosting my credibility with your lack of- Yeah, Sidney Pollack was going to be one of the directors. <laughs> Yeah, so Spielberg, Sidney Pollack, there was four other people, right? Wasn't there like four other people before the... Um... Oh, the one guy, I had not heard of him. Oh, it was Martin Brest who directed... Uh... God damn it! Fucking hate myself. Uh, Midnight Run, which I guess was in 1988, which is funny because that's another road buddy comedy. Yeah. And and had also previously directed the first um, Beverly Hills Cop. But and, and, and like is a really good director. I mean, I really actually like Martin Brest a lot. And and so, I mean, I think that could have been kind of a, you know, pretty good little movie. But I do think that Barry Levinson, despite, you know, kind of just being like a journeyman guy who just came in. I mean, I think it's he does. He does right. He does right by the movie and keeps it simple and and keeps it straightforward and and kind of just right yeah. down the line, right down the line, which Spielberg I think is Spielberg was like good. pretty close to doing this. And then he had to leave yeah. to do Indiana Jones. And I think The Last Crusade was the one. I mean, I can, uh, that would have been a hell of a movie, I think, Spielberg doing. Totally. I think it would have been pretty incredible. And I mean, I guess the actors and everything were already locked in. So that was Barry Levinson was talking about that. Like they had like everything locked in. Tom was cast. Dustin Hoffman was cast. He had already been like working on the character and doing the research and stuff for a really long time. John Seal, the cinematographer, great cinematographer, was was like there. They had like, you know, line producer. They had all these people that were all in place. And then basically they just like the directors kept leaving. They just plugged plugged Barry Levinson in and he and Spielberg took, took gave over. Levinson his notes basically he said here's all my thoughts right one thing is that they offered uh, the role of Charlie the Tom character to Dustin Hoffman because he's supposed to be a bit older and Dustin was like no I want to play fucking Rain Man like I want I want this part oh yeah and but I kind of like that it's the older brother who's well okay about that that was a note from Paula Wagner at CAA who was like Charlie Tom's should producing Charlie, partner. Char- yeah Charlie should be the younger brother instead of the older brother and they should cast Cruz as younger brother, and then obviously that's a fucking perfect note. And then she became yeah. Cruz's producing partner later on. One thing about the road aspect is that they're driving across the country in the old Buick, which is really funny because you could see in some of the shots when it is driving and it's not on like a camera car, it's like actually on the road. You can see the actors inside and they're balancing around like a fucking bounce oh, yes. because the car is like fucking 50 years old and it's shitty. Right. And yeah. There's no fucking way on earth you want to take this car across the country. It's Kind of yeah. beat the shit out of you. But basically, the Rain Man can't fly. He can't go on the highway because it's too dangerous. Uh, so maybe they have to take back roads the whole way across. So it's like right. drag out this thing. All the while, Tom's business is like melting down. Well, that's another good little bit, though, where they're on the highway and they're going through like the accident or whatever that was on the road. Yeah. And, and he gets out of the car and then 
you know, it's kind of a nice little moment where Tom just basically follows him walking on the road for a while. It's a nice moment, but it's also, it's like frustrating. Like you, like you are oh, feeling totally. like yeah. for Tom a little bit, but he is being a shit. He's being a shit, but you absolutely, you are like, okay, I get That's why kind of he would be that so That's kind interesting is like, yeah, you do get why he's being so upset, why he is so upset, but he also like, you would be as frustrated yourself in that situation and he's you, being an yeah. asshole. It's like, yo, you are yeah. an actual the asshole too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a kind of a funny uh, viewer identification thing where you can, you can feel annoyed yourself, but then also from a distance recognize that he's bad or whatever. It's almost like you get to, you get to feel better than Tom. You know what I mean? Even though probably in that situation, you'd be just as shitty potentially. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, so they're on the road and then, and then is it, is it literally that like the next scene is that's when they're in the diner with the toothpicks and uh, he grabs him by the neck and everything? Yeah, it might be because like slowly he's realizing that like, you know, there's some something going on here with this guy. Because that feels pretty early on. That feels pretty early that, on. That, and well, then, the diner is shot in Kentucky, so it might make sense as like one of the earlier things before they earlier on the road. But they stop in Oklahoma. Okay, so, well, you're jumping way ahead, but yeah, sure. Oh, the diner scene? Diner scene? I mean, well, no, I mean, we can talk. I don't care. I mean, there's just, uh, what is there to talk about? It's like, yeah, he, well, well, he caught... He, the, so the toothpicks they, they, go, they stop in the, the toothpicks thing and like that's pretty cool I thought that was written classic scene I like the way that yeah. was written because it's like I'm like are they gonna fucking count these toothpicks and it's like no it's 246 250 in the box ladies like there's four left and they're like oh fuck dude Two yeah. four, 250 minus four is 246 that's what I said out loud yeah, no, that's, I did too. I I totally understood that scene. Yeah. All the math made 100% sense to me. I actually, I, I double checked on my phone and it does work out. Oh, and say it again. 250 minus 246 is four. Four. And that's how many were left in the box. Yes. And 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 so they were, they were 246 on the ground. That's how many fell out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Not in the wow. box, which had four. That's crazy. And it would be, it's crazy as a writer to come, to figure that out. Yeah. Would, and then they were high five in the writer's room. They were like, yeah. 246 Six. is four less than 250. Exactly. But as not last night when I was realizing that that shit was in Kentucky, like a minute later, I was looking for a can opener because I was trying to eat a can of cold soup because my dad has no good food in his house. Okay. Uh, and I found a box of toothpicks. And I dumped them on the floor. I couldn't count them. <laughs> Mom, Dad, I don't have autism. <laughs> All right, well, that part's out, but... um. What? That's funny. You think so? I'm sure. Fuck it. I don't know. But I like the idea of, like, the idea of you doing... I like the idea of you... <laughs> the idea... <laughs> well, no, I, I don't know. I mean, not that, not that. I just, the idea of you doing that by yourself at night, late at night, probably kind of drunk. Yeah. <laughs> um. I, I leave him on the ground. I don't yeah. pick him up. Yeah, your dad's yelling at you in the morning. And my daddy goes, Parker, why are there 231 toothpicks on the ground? <laughs> <laughs> fuck. Oh, fuck. Dang, that's good. Boy, oh boy, that is good. That could be left in. Yeah, that was good. I think you're going to be a lot funnier in this episode than me, which I don't like that. Hey, sometimes that's how the cookie crumbles. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know though. It doesn't really happen that way too often. No, I, I, I'm I'm well aware. No, I'm kidding, dude. You're very but, funny. I'm always telling you how funny you are. When they go to the <laughs> thing, I just 
put together. They go to the motel in Oklahoma and it's raining and he doesn't want to go out in the rain. Oh, that's right. That seems like that takes up a lot of time. Or is that like a, how long is that? It's like a day or is, it seems like, it's, like a day. They're there for there's a long time. There's some interesting like jump cuts where Tom's at there's the window. There's some crazy jump cuts. Yeah. I, yes. Very bizarre. And um, interesting thing about that is that motel in the movie is called like Guthrie's. Perhaps a reference to Peter Guthrie, the autistic savant that Dustin Co- Dustin. I'm Hopkins actually faced. realizing now Guthrie is my grandma's maiden name. It's a family name. Oh, my, yeah. And it was a Guthrie related Castle. to. Woody? And Woody, yes, we are. Are you serious? Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, I mean, in the sense that like everyone in Kentucky and Tennessee is related. Yeah, we are related. Wow, I, you've never told me this ever. This is uh, deeply upsetting. Yeah, you can't be you can't be related to someone that I love. Are you That's more of a Woody or Arlo fan? Woody, Woody, Woody for sure. I mean, I like Arlo a lot. Arlo's good too, but I'm I'm a Woody guy. I mean, because you know I'm a Bob Dylan guy, so therefore I'm a Woody yes. Guthrie guy. But uh, fascinating. Wow, look at that. We're always learning so many great things about you. I like to keep things a little closer to the chest, but that's just me. You're kind of like lay it all out and just fucking you know trauma dump on everybody in your life. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what's, what's that look? What's that? Maybe that's why you have more friends than I do, because I'm always like just trying to trauma dump on people. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, he was kind of fun to hang out with, but Jesus Christ. I actually don't you think you trauma. You toothpicks on the ground and trying to count them. <laughs> <laughs> no, or like that becomes a thing that you start doing. Like you just dump toothpicks around a bunch of people and see if they count them. And you're yeah. just like, you're just testing everybody. But I dumped like six. And I'm like, yeah, six. I can see all six right now. And I go, fuck. Dude, you should go to the doctor. You should get that checked out. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so they're stuck in this Guthrie's motel for like a day at least. And, you know, Tom, to a matter of like trying to keep himself sane, has to like slowly understand and accept and implement Raymond's like desire for a schedule. Like, you know, fucking Wheel of Fortune's on at this time. And, you know, got to have eight fish sticks. And so Tom only gives him four. And so it cuts the eight and cuts them in half. Yeah, that's a good little moment. I think it's in this motel. Maybe it's a later scene when Tom realizes that Raymond is his actual later different hotel. Yeah, I think it's a different hotel. It's yeah, it's it's later on. I don't really remember exactly when. I think it's after when they stop in that little. like that town and he takes him to see the doctor and the doctor, you know, says he's a savant and blah, 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 blah. And, and right. kind of is, is doing do, the like math. doing the math and doing the tests on but him. I think and the first time stuff. like Tom's like, this guy's a genius. Right. That's where he says he's a genius. Yeah. yeah. But I think it's after that scene. Yeah. When Tom realizes that Raymond is the rain man, which he thought right. was an imaginary friend from a, as a child. But like yes. in reality, they put Raymond in the institution because they were fearing for Tom's safety. Yeah. Because I guess. Hot water burn baby. Yeah. That seems a really great scene. I mean, it's obviously like a very. Dustin it's apparently a, it's a was like really yeah. nervous about doing that one. Because it is like that's that seemed like the hardest part of the movie for him. to Yeah. Do. It's hard. It's big. But it's but both of them are just really good, and it's very. I mean, that's the that most was, moving. One yeah, of the most moving parts for of the sure. movie. I was like, wow, yeah. if yeah. I had a human heart, oh boy, you'd be crying. Yeah, it is shot mostly in one take. They do insert halfway through, but you could tell like it's like it seems like it's all the same. same yeah, take. yeah. Well, a- actually, and that's kind of funny. That's a good point to bring up. I think Barry Levinson talked about a lot that like they were very open to improv, and actually, this is a kind of an interesting tidbit. The movie was shot during the writer's strike of that year. Oh, yeah. You know, obviously fascinating. We're going through a writer's strike now. And so the writers were not on set because they were 
striking. And so, you know, a lot of times with films, Tom, you, I'm sure you know this, you know, some rewrites might be being done or new lines of dialogue might be p getting pitched out or written or whatever by the writer while the movie is even shooting. And, you know, sometimes, or if like they come up against a story problem, they're like, how do we, you know, rejig this to make it work? But um, that wasn't the case here because it was the writer's strike. And so they were doing, I think, a lot of improvising and Barry Levinson really, and, and I think a lot, I mean, he shoots a lot of things in kind of longer, just like staged takes that aren't, you know, not a lot of cuts. And so I do, I do think it, I mean, really, I mean, the reason I think why the performances are so good and why he's, you know, kind of the right choice for the movie in a lot of ways. I mean, I think Spielberg would have been great too, because Spielberg does also do a lot of like longer blocked out scenes and he's the master at it. But anyway, I mean, it, it allowed the actors to really breathe and play around and throw out different lines. I mean, you, you brought up the fart in the, you know, the telephone booth thing. Yeah. The last script was handed in by the writer the day the strike started. And apparently it was like, it was like half of it was handwritten, like just oh, that's fast wild. as possible. I mean, Tom, we should tell Tom, uh, this current strike is the reason Stephen is unemployed. Ordinarily he has a job, but like yes, he I is have. actually suffering. Yeah. Have most. we brought that up? I don't know. I think it's no. you just you just make fun of me for being employed all I don't the make time. Fun I, of you. I always feel like people think I'm like some kind of loser. But yeah, I I'm money out of my wallet every day. I'm furloughed. I'm furloughed due to the strikes, which I stand in solidarity with. I'm not angry at being furloughed, you know, because of it. Uh, I'm not angry at the at the guilds. I'm angry at the AMPTP for being, you know, greedy fucking idiots, dude. I'll fuck them up. I'll fuck them up. Tom's interesting because obviously he is in the AMPTP. Well, yeah, but he's also in the Screen Actors Guild. I mean, he's yeah. in part of that guild. And well, he's probably not in the... No, he's probably not in the writer. But he's in the Screen Actors Guild. Yeah, I mean, he's in both. I mean, no, I don't know if we have to get into this too much, but I guess we could a little bit. It's not uninteresting. I think people were calling on him to potentially be a little um, more outspoken or like maybe come and, which I think would be wild for him to do, but some big celebrities are doing, but like come to a picket line and show solidarity. And he hasn't done that. I think I read some stuff where he's personally trying to like reach out and get the meetings to happen and do stuff like that. But, you know, interesting. I don't know. Worth noting. I suppose he, yeah. he's, he's just very I mean I will say that you know I mean obviously which we've touched upon many times ever since 2005 I think he pretty much stays out of anything anything mildly like political um, or yeah. personal or whatever like he's just like I'm completely like neutral in, in, in this yeah. regard which which is like for the best maybe and for me as like a lover of Tom Cruise but at, at the same time sometimes it's a little like you know how how cool would it be if Tom Cruise showed up to a pick as line, the biggest I mean. movie star in the world I do think you have a responsibility when a SAG strikes I agree I agree it's it's a little dis it's a little bit of a bummer yeah really the next major plot point would be when Tom realizes that Raymond is able to he, all his number ability translates into him probably being able to count cards and yes, it's funny because yes. like having watched The Hangover before I ever saw Rain Man I was like this is Oh yeah, not is this is like, this is a funny moment. It's funny nonetheless. Like it's funny. Yeah, I mean, I get like, what, but yeah, Alan like in the fucking hangover doing that shit. Well, it's funny though. They do the dumb. They you know obviously goof it up a bunch where they have like the symbols and stuff floating around his head yeah. and like the you know E equals MC squared or whatever and stuff like that. But and borderline having not watched the movie in a while, I thought, does this movie have that too? Like and I think like, <laughs> I was like that would be so weird if all of a sudden they start doing shit like that, like little graphics on screen. But yeah, thank so, thank God they didn't. Raymond. Raymond's counting cards. Six six decks deep, fucking counting cards, and they're nailing. They're making all the money back. Tom's gonna save his business by Raymond doing this yeah, shit. Yeah. Interesting moment. Raymond sees the wheel, the wheel of fortune wheel turning, and he calls the numbers like that's gonna land on twenty, and it doesn't land on twenty. And so in the IMDb trivia, there's an earlier moment when they're handed a stack of tokens or chips, and the chip count is off. They're being shorted their chips. 
And the implication is that this is a dirty casino, which is why the wheel didn't land on 20. It was, it would have. Oh, the trajectory interesting. would have landed on 20, and Raven had it right, but it's actually dirty Wheel of Fortune. Oh, interesting. I mean, probably all casinos are fairly dirty. Yeah, that would have been, again, that's like plotty. Yeah, doesn't matter. It's kind of nice that, like, they fucking, they lost three grand. Like, oh shit. You know? Well, yeah, and I just think that would get all of a sudden that that this whole sequence now would become probably too long. Like it would just be too too much going on. It would be what a little do you too think? messy. So Raymond's like he thinks he has a date lined up, even though like I watched that scene. That dude has no date lined up. Yeah, fucking idiot. No, it's like clearly it's like that's that was never even talked about. Like what are you talking about? You have a date at ten p.m. Well, she clear. I'm, well, yeah, but he doesn't. I know. No, I know. exactly. But then, I mean, like yeah. he, he the girlfriend, the fiance, whatever the hell she is, to Tom kisses him in the elevator. I think this is the worst scene in the movie. I didn't like it. I think she should be kissing you and me. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's something nice. There's something nice about it. I also think it kind of comes out of nowhere emotionally for that character, that woman. Like, I, I guess she's being nice. But again, but again, her character, her character, her character. Yeah. If she had been the one to teach him how to dance, then I, oh then my I God. think that, Back up dance, five minutes. Yeah, because yeah. when he's like watching the Fred Astaire stuff, and he wants to learn how to dance. And then he and yeah. Tom share a dance. It is like really nice. And Tom tries to go for a hug. He can't yeah, hug. And he, and he flips out. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and Tom's and like, kinda, fuck, I just wanted to give you a hug. Yeah. And, and it's nice though. Cause even in that moment, like it's like, they're being really, but Tom still like gets a little bit mad at him. He's, but he also loves him. Well, I think he's more, he's more just fuck frustrated. He's like fucking shit, man. I, right, right. Well, right. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. But I think I just like that because it just makes it so it's like, oh, things, now that they're connected as brothers, it's not like things are just easy breezy from here on out. Like there's still difficulties. He can, he's still going to yeah. get frustrated. He's still going to get- And all the arc and all the growth is on Tom's end. Uh, but it's a beautiful but, scene. It is a really nice scene, but but yeah, but I mean, the I mean, kiss is I, not I, nice. The kiss itself is weird. She like kisses his top lip, and she's so much smaller than Dustin Hoffman. It's like it's just bizarre to me. She's so much smaller her, than her Dustin Hoffman. Her head is considerably smaller than Dustin Hoffman's head. Well, you know, speaking of size, I was thinking, I was watching. Going, oh, this is funny. Two of like maybe the smallest guys in Hollywood, or like right. two like yeah. short guys, are like in this movie, and it's kind of like, oh, that's nice. It work works out in a way. And they have they have, they have a similar nose. They kind of have. They kind of like I could see them being brothers a little bit. I mean, slightly. Yeah. Honestly, you know, too, I don't know if I've always thought of him this way, but Dustin Hoffman's really handsome. Handsome guy. He, yeah. He's got like a nice angular jaw. He's a handsome Adam Sandler. Jaw in a way. You know, like similar kind of egg-headed. Interesting. I, I think a Adam Sandler's pretty handsome. I don't think he's egg-headed. Egg Adam Sandler's egg-headed, but. You know who looks good in this movie is Tom fucking Cruise. Oh, he looks incredible in the movie. And that was, I was just going to say, on like completely opposite ends of not uh, not not the spectrum. Uh, uh, completely opposite ends. Yeah, is there another word? Oh God. Um, whatever. Completely opposite ends of like the fashion spectrum. I kind of liked both of their fits quite a bit. Like I, I thought like the pants. I thought the white socks and the fucking shoes and his like tan jacket kind of sick. And he looked sick. And I was and like the button, you know, tucked in shirts and everything. And then Tom's suits and everything look incredible. And he's yeah. never wearing a tie, top button buttoned suit jackets and everything. And the borderline uh, risky business Ray Bans. You know, apparently. Like yeah, this is another one like that. Like different, it's a different model of, of, of Ray Ban, but like numbers just went crazy. Tom's just like Tom should have stock in fucking Ray Ban or Luxottica. Well, this is maybe jumping the gun, but you know, I bought that pilot's watch after seeing Top Gun Maverick, and I like was like, but I wanted obviously the kind of watch that he has, but it's like stupid expensive. I just was noticing how cool the watch looked, and I was like, oh, I kind of want something like. What are that. some other great pieces of Tom memorabilia that you would want to own? Which is this is the big picture territory, but like, oh, is it? Think. 
They always do like, you know, what prop for the movie would you want? I think it's a good category. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, whatever. Tom memorabilia that I would like to own from his movies. Tough, tough, tough. I'm trying to think. Do you have good ones? Briefcase from Collateral. Briefcase from Collateral would be sick. I mean, I mean his suit. Well, no, he just kind of has a great. Dude, this is actually tough. I feel like I should have a better answer to this, but I'm trying to think here. I don't know if I have a good answer either. Red light, green light gum from Mission Impossible that blows stuff up. A lot of the shift, any of the gadgets Mission Impossible I'd love to have. Well, yeah, gadgets. I mean, that's totally true, but I'm trying to think of something more, honestly, real world. He's not a prop guy. It's not like he's a Ryan Gosling where he depends on these props. Ryan Gosling depend on a lot of props. Yeah, the toothpick. This is a great thing that you brought up, but also it's played out horribly. It's played out awfully. This is is not going to make it. No, I don't think it should. Um, Unless I come up with like a great answer, but I don't think I'm going to. Yeah, I don't know. You know, motorcycles, cars. Yeah, the fucking Mustang plane from the end of uh, Maverick. I was thinking that too. I was like, man, I should learn to fly a plane. And then if, when I meet Tom at the premiere of Dead Reckoning Part 2, I could be like, Tom, you inspired me to fly planes. And, he, and then we could talk We could talk plane shop. And he can go, what what equipment are you flying on? And I can go, uh, you know, mm-hmm. regular, regular, regular stuff, uh, you know. Yeah, regular equipment. Yeah, it's pretty regular down go, there. Oh, you're clearly lying to me right now. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty um, average sized equipment that I'm working with. Yeah. He goes, huh? What are you Ooh. talking about? What? <laughs> Wait, can we talk about the Vegas thing really quickly too? I th- I will say as a person who does gamble and everything, I mean, counting cards isn't illegal, right? I mean, it's not like a thing that you can actually get in trouble with the law for because it's, you just have a smart brain. Right. But the casinos are the law more or less. And like, I'm surprised they let them win 80 grand. Well, yeah, they let him go. But uh, yeah, it, it feels like there's going to be more drama there. Like even like when the prostitute comes up to Dustin Hoffman, it feels I thought like, oh, is she angling for something? Like is this going to be a moment a casino where casino plant looking for yes, answers. Yes, exactly. Worked for the, I believe that's what she I thought was, too. Honestly, but like it just got cut out of the script. Like they, I mean, because like, the plot it doesn't like it's really like we have two characters that are like so fucking excellent. The drive is enough. Like you don't the you don't need all the other plot plotty yeah. stuff. Yeah, but I mean, it's just funny how that Vegas all the Vegas stuff. Plays out because it's just sort of like oh this seems dramatic they're like check looking in on them and then nothing really comes of it they let them go they let well, them off like, they get to keep the idiot on well it's more or less like takes this idea and like ends it like you can't keep doing this like you know yeah, you, yeah. your brother is not a tool to make money like right 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 you got yeah lucky this time i guess that's true the casinos are really woke and they're like hey man you cannot use your brother this way you you yeah. guys really need to leave las vegas you should not be here it's it's absolutely despicable how how you're how you're using yeah, casinos pass moral judgment. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, um, and then they go to, and then they go to Los Angeles, more or less. Like that's the next. Yeah, uh, they're scene. in L.A. Actually, I was gonna look up that those apartment that apartment complex that they go to and oh, see. Oh, this apartment is shitty. See where that was. Like it's big, but like it's like uh, it's clearly it's like the intention is like this is not a happy place. Well, it's just it's just barely. It's like doesn't look very lived in. It looks like the, oh, like aren't there like there's like one little desk? Weren't there like boxes around? Like it almost reminded me of like, all, like uh, bare. Yeah, it reminded no, me of almost like up in the air where he like doesn't really live in a place. You know what I mean? Right, like he had right. he just because he likes to just live in the air, fly around up in the air. Yeah, yeah. And then I don't know what else. What else is there to talk about? Oh, this is well, the this last. Is, the, there's a last scene, which is not the last scene, but like when they're basically trying to figure out where he's gonna go. And they have the little like it's hearing really kind of thing, lovely, or whatever. And, and that is Barry Levinson in the scene, who's playing the uh, medical guy. Well, is it the medical guy? It's more like a he's like Care a counselor, lawyer, like, or something, or like it's a, not a legal proceeding though. Okay, well I don't really know what he is. But you know, speaking of winning money, I won eleven dollars yesterday. 
Really? Off Powerball, one eleven dollars. Wow. Was it like a one pow- one number plus Powerball, or what is that? Two two plus Powerball. Two, two well, plus Powerball. Two plus Powerball. I got two numbers plus the Powerball, which is actually only eight dollars. No, it's seven dollars, which is a shame. And I was going back through previous two plus Powerball wins, and it was like some. It's it's generally fluctuates between eight and nine, and so I was like, dang, I got fucking seven, fucking bullshit. And then on another one of my tickets, I got just the Powerball, which is which was four dollars. So how often got, do you play? the lottery every day okay no i'm just kidding i don't play it every day but i will say and this is not healthy i've been playing it a little bit more lately like aspirationally yeah aspirationally which i think is not healthy a little fucked up but i know it's getting up there nobody won this time so i'll play it again yeah i work with a guy a taco deli who had won uh half a million dollars on a scratcher and like he took two years off and like i i don't think he spent the money very well because like he was back at a restaurant within you know two three years well yeah i mean if i buy a fucking house if i want a a lot of money i'd know what to do with it trust me i'd be fine you get a house you buy the briefcase from collateral you uh, buy the briefcase from collateral invest it give some to my friends and family um you know my close friends would each get a mill or a couple mill or whatever and uh yeah you know it'd be good and i'd live and i then i'd have time to work on my little projects and uh, make a film, make several films, maybe become one of the great directors of all time, something like that. Yeah, it'd be funny. I think, um, I mean, people always, I I judge a lot of filmmakers based on how they, you know, came up and how they got their start. Obviously, a lot of them come from money. I mean, the majority of them come from money. Yeah. Well, and it's speaking of Sam Levinson, Barry Levinson's son, who, yeah. you know, directs Euphoria and all that shit. Yeah, but if I was like, oh yeah, he got a start because he won the lottery. <laughs> And he put $15 million into a movie about Columbine. But would you respect that person? Um, I think I would respect a director who won the lottery. That's what... That's what a Nepo baby is. They yeah. just won the lottery of yes. their birth, you know? Yeah. I mean, Why would you like, not respect it? Why would you not respect it? It's it, like they it got, do, they it got lucky. It would depend on the filmmaking, you know, really? Yeah, it depends on the filmmaker, of course. Yeah. I mean, it all, they all depend on the filmmaking. I love Sofia Coppola, one of the biggest Nepo babies yeah. in the world. You but like she's a Coppola? great filmmaker. She's okay. Do you like Roman Coppola? I like Roman, honestly. He's had some bad stuff, but he's also been a... I mean, you know, he co-wrote Asteroid City, he's which a, I think... He's like, a lot of the West stuff. Yeah, he's wrote down a, a decent amount of it. If I had to rank the Coppolas, obviously Frankie... Wait, no. No, we're not doing this right now. Frankie in the top. Frankie top. You're doing this now? This is worthless. We should have done this on the Outsiders episode. Frankie top. Number Frankie two? Top. Frankie top's like a gay porn star name. Oh, uh, yeah. Let's get out of here. Uh, well, let's finish this up. You know, that scene in the sort of non-legal proceeding, whatever. You know, they're like, do you want to stay with Charlie? And he says, yes. Do you want to go back to fucking Walbrook? He says, yes. And it's yes, like, oh, yeah. yeah. It was sad. It's a sad moment. It's a very sad moment. And I think Tom's really good in that moment too. And he's like, okay, okay. Oh, I, get you. Yeah. I get your point. I get your point. We get it. We get it. You don't, you're embarrassing him or whatever. You know, he says to him. Well, he's like, he's, he's like, he's, he's, you know, he believes that the Walbrook people are like holding Raymond back. But I think in that moment, he understands like, yes, there's been a little bit of growth here, a little bit of growth, but like the, yeah. arc, the arc is my own. The more he and Raymond cohabitate is the more that he like bends to Raymond's need for structure. Raymond's infrastructure. Yes, yeah. exactly. And it's like Tom just sort of can't see that until it's till the end. And I imagine in this movie, like Tom's the change is all within him and he probably moves back to Cincinnati. You know, he probably leaves his fucking car importer life behind and goes back to Cincinnati and he probably works at like a fucking Kmart selling underwear. No. 
I, mean, I do think like it would be he has his big brother like I love having he's like I love you know I'm happy to have you as a big brother yeah. I do think he obviously would want to be more of part of Raymond's well he's life. going to he says he's yeah. gonna he said and at the end when they're at the train station he's like I'm gonna visit you in two weeks or whatever I think right. he's not leaving all that supply I mean he's gotta fucking live still he's gotta do what he knows how to do financially well he should stuff, get out of it because that market's about to crash that, well that, yeah yeah he's gonna get out of that I'm sure he'll be fine dude he's gonna be, be over leveraged and lose his ass when was um the market crash of the I'm 80s I'm trying to remember <laughs> <laughs> I don't know did the market crash in the 80s isn't it the 80s I thought it was. Because weren't we like in a surplus and shit? Bush years are bad, I guess. Bush senior. No, no. Because remember, there's a market crash of the 80s, dude. Or it's early 90s, maybe? 87. Black Monday. Well, that was before this movie. Yeah, which was right before this movie. That's, uh, anyway, I thought maybe it could be after, but yeah, it's before this movie. Because, I, I mean, honestly, speaking of learning things from movies, I mean, actually, I think I knew about this one already, but, but from Wolf you know, of that's, Wall Street. What, that's what happens in Wolf of Wall Street. Was Tom and his lady, were they in fiance and... Fiance or you know. fiance and boyfriend fiance? And girlfriend. The fuck are you were talking about? Were they engaged about? or were they fucking boyfriend girlfriend? I don't know. Doesn't matter. They're just together. Wait, did I say? Did I say that in the beginning when they're in that warehouse that reminded me of Wolf of Wall Street? Did I did oh, I they, mention no, that at the beginning of the episode? It's the same kind of place. When the in when the Wolf of Wall Street guys are starting out and they're in yeah. the warehouse and they're making those calls and everything like that. It reminded me of that a little bit. And then it also gave me. I mean, obviously, I think Leo's like I think it's like one of his best performances ever in Wolf of Wall Street. But it also made me kind of have this like you know parallel timeline thought of like Tom Cruise in Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, yeah. Would be kind of awesome. It would be perfect. Like, it's like Jerry Maguire and Frank T.J. Mackey kind of like together, yeah. you know, sort of basically. And it would be kind of beautiful. Because Tom, Tom never really has characters that are big into drugs, though. Maybe, and we'll see that in uh, Born of the Fourth July. I think that's going to be coming up in that movie. But for the most part, I don't think his characters ever really have... Mostly drinking. That movie's drinking. But like, do his characters ever have vices beyond ambition? That's an interesting... That's an interesting point. Not really that I can think of oh yes last samurai he's an alcoholic well alcoholic yeah that's what i'm saying it's not drugs yeah rock of ages maybe he does drugs in that movie lions for lambs i think he's a ketamine yeah exactly vanilla sky does he do any drugs he might he's do drugs vanity i mean like doing drugs is one thing but like you know um no i mean really the funny th- thing is it's, it's only alcohol and it's like born on the fourth of july i think he gets into alcohol i don't think he does drugs in that movie i can't remember One obviously thing, we'll revisit it but uh, yeah it's that and last time we've heard from a lot of people we've heard from Cher. we've heard from val kilmer lots of people that tom is an absolute like sweetheart and i think it's so good because he he plays an asshole and a prick so fucking well and we kind of touched on this earlier in cocktail but it's like you know either he's the greatest actor on earth and he could just pull it off or like that's part of the sociopathy is like pretending to be nice how to pretend like you're nice and caring but like he is quite fucking good at being a prick in a lot of Absolutely. a lot of different roles are you saying what are you Maybe saying i'm saying he either is secretly a prick and he has everyone convinced he's a nice guy and he lets it out when or, he's acting or he's just yeah, really yeah. fucking good at Pretending to be, and he really is a sweetheart. He's really good at acting. Tom yeah. Cruise, really good at acting. The big takeaway from the podcast is Tom Cruise actually is a pretty good actor. I mean, that is, I mean, we already knew that, but hopefully it's a takeaway for other people who are listening who maybe write him off sometimes. I hope that's the case because he is a genuinely fucking great actor. I, I mean, you know, we've talked about this many times, but I think the impetus for the podcast a little bit was how much we talk about Tom Cruise and how much in our day-to-day lives and how we started out just, we, you know, we live in different places. We call each other on the phone very frequently, which sadly we don't really do anymore, which is kind of a bummer. Like I like to go on walks and just like call you on the phone and talk about stuff, talk about feelings, talk about life, talk about movies. No, every time we get off the phone, Sam would ask, how's Steve? And I go, I don't know. No, that's not true. I mean, it yes, you true. say that. But we talk about all kinds of real stuff. What are you talking about? We don't do that anymore. 
Yeah, it's just 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 this podcast is all just we podcast. have. But nonetheless, we would still um we would still talk about Tom quite a bit and it would yeah. like inevitably somehow we would get on Tom. Uh, the whole thing is like we just really believe that he is not only a great movie star and a great action star and yada yada yada, but like one of the best yeah. act we've got and we have know, had. Like I think about when this is done and we either choose to move on to a new actor or we don't. Like, I don't know if I really care about anybody. Like, I, obviously, they're actors I love. Like, Phil Hoffman is maybe maybe the actor I love the most. But, like, I don't know if I really think that, like, there's anybody out there as as fascinating. No, there's nobody, there's nobody quite like him. Yeah. Truly. Truly, there really is not anybody quite like him. I don't think I would want to do move on to someone else. I mean, I guess if this got really big, which... It's not trending like that. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's not trending. It's not trending that way. Um, then I suppose, and you know, people are knocking on the door. Like, you gotta do another season about another actor. But I don't think I care enough. This is already not fun enough as it is. If we had the lottery, we could just hire two people to do this for us. <laughs> to, we hire to record. two other, like you know, not gay in love with each other idiots to like talk about Tom Cruise. Hmm. Not gay in love with each other idiots. You have other qualifiers that you define yourself by. I just was thinking that actually would have should have been should have been the name of the podcast. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. That was our Rayman episode, and I think we did a pretty good job of not um, getting ourselves canceled. You know, maybe a bit lighter on the yucks, but we were really trying to walk a thin line. Um, thank you, as always, to my co-host Stephen Kuhn and to our producer Sam Robinson. Thank you to our music guy and often editor Trevor Dowdy. Be sure to listen next week. We have Born on the 4th of July with a special guest. Check out our socials. We are at We Made It For Tom on everything and WeMadeItForTom.com Stephen usually does the outros, but uh, he was in a car crash this morning. Um, he caused a 15 car pile up. So he's actually he's not in the hospital. He's actually on the run from the law. Um, so I just thought I would do the outro for him because he's busy. Um, thanks. Bye.